God. And welcome to the sanctuary here at Bright Temple. Come on, give God some praise. Come on, give God the glory on this morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we're certainly grateful to see so many of you with us on this morning. Has God been good to anybody out there? I said, has God been good to anybody out there? If he's been good, then why don't you give God right back? If he's been good to you, give God some praise. Give him the glory that he's due. Give him the honor that he's due. Come on, open up your mouth and give God some praise this morning. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it good just to be in God's house to give God praise on this morning? I said, isn't it good just to be in God's house to give him praise on this morning? Hallelujah. He's been good to us. Amen. He's been good to us. I said he's been good to us. If there's ever been a time where we ought to appreciate just being here. I said if there's ever been a time when we ought to appreciate just being here. I know in my being naive more than a year ago, I think it was March 16th or 17th, right after we had had our 90th year celebration, I remember speaking to several leaders and even leaders in the district, and we were praying and we were resetting our calendars, and I remember thinking at that time, and it seems silly now, I was like, Lord, maybe after a month or two, we'll be back. Maybe by the end of the summer, we'll be back. Only God knew then that it would be almost a full year before we come back to resume in-person worship. And I'm just glad to have an opportunity to be here. If there's ever been a time. Now, I've said it before. And I know many of you can testify like I can. I've said before, I'm glad to be here, Brother Chuck. I've said it before. But the way I mean it right now, when I say I am glad to be in the house of the Lord, it takes on a whole new meaning. It takes a whole new context. Because David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And I, I heard David say it, and I thought I knew what it meant. I thought I felt him in that moment. But Sister April, this morning, when I knew that you guys were going to be here with me, when I knew I'd have some help here this morning, when I knew that I'd have some people to talk to this morning, it hit me in a whole new way. And one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, like never before, Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we, we appreciate, Lord, just waking up this morning. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, we thank you for being able to assemble and gather together, Lord, for that on this morning, even with new meaning, we say thank you, Lord. Lord, for keeping us alive, Lord. Hallelujah. For protecting us and keeping us safe, Lord. For allowing us to draw breath on this morning. Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, for keeping us from dangers that were seen and unseen and allowing us to be in your house. Lord, just one more time. Lord, we say thank you. 
thank you, Lord. Lord, for keeping us in our right minds, Lord. Lord, we may not have had the virus, Lord, but even some people lost their mind during this time. And for that, Lord, for keeping us safe, for keeping us in our right mind, Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for a new day, Lord. Lord, we thank you for hope, Lord. Lord, we thank you for life. Lord, we thank you for another chance just to give you the glory, to give you the honor, and to give you the praise. And Lord, that's what we've come to do, Lord, to give you the glory, to give you the honor, and to give you the praise. I wish I had a witness out there. Lord, we came to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise. Lord, I didn't come to look at anybody else, but I came to give you the glory, to give you the honor, and to give you the praise for everything that you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for those who are in the sanctuary. I know we can't hug, and you know I love the fellowship. You know I love fellowship. But I want you to do this for me. I just want you to look around. Somebody you see, just point and wave at them. Find, find somebody, just point and wave at them. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're in God's house. We praise God for you. Praise God that he's preserved your, your life. And we are so happy, so happy, so happy to see you on this morning. And we give God the glory and the honor for your lives. And for those in the sanctuary, you may be seated. For those of you who are joining us by social media, who are joining us virtually, we encourage you on next Sunday. We, are go- we have started in-person worship, not just for this Sunday, but we will continue in-person worship going forward. So we encourage you to come join us in the sanctuary here at Bright Temple. We are, we are, we are safe. We are socially distant. We are wearing our masks. We have been sanitized. We are safe. And for those who desire to join us, amen, we pray that you will come be with us. You can be safe and you can yet give God the praise, the glory, and the honor. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand, amen, to our band and to our musicians. We praise God for them. Thank God for them for being with us, for leading us through during this time of transition, leading us during this time of our, our, our pandemic and our time away in quarantine. They've been here every Sunday, amen, to give, lift God up in song, and we praise God for you. And for those of you, you didn't know it, but some of you have become our social media influencers. Some of you have been sharing, you've been posting, amen, and we praise God for you. Thank God for you sharing our streams and posting and sharing with so many others. Some of you your families have almost become virtual members of our church as well because we see your family, Sister Cindy, we see your family, others, we see your family members joining in with us, and we pray that you're joining with us also this morning virtually as we give God the praise on Resurrection Sunday, amen. We celebrate because he got up. And I praise God for that song in my spirit. You know, when you're young and sometimes they pour things into your spirit when you're young and it just keeps coming back to you. I just can't help but remember some of you who watches virtually and some of you out there who grew up in the Sunshine Band Choir with Sister Dee Dee. Amen. We, we would sing one of the songs. I can't remember all the songs we sang, but one song we always sang was He Arose. He arose. He arose from the dead. Amen. And this morning, that song was ringing in my spirit. He arose. He arose. He arose for the dead. And, 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 my, and, and he shall bear our spirit on because he arose 
from the dead. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. If you will follow us, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 26. Again, that's Matthew chapter 26. If you will follow us in the word of the Lord there, we're going to be sharing this morning. God spoke to me and I wanted to share something a little different on this morning. Usually we focus on just Jesus in the death, his burial and his resurrection. And yes, that, that, that is the shining light from which all the light emanates because of his suffering and his pain. But I wanted to talk about it from a human standpoint today. I want to talk about as a topic, my subject this morning is the humanity of the cross, the humanity of the cross, because there are things that are surrounding and in preparation for his death and, and what happened on the cross and his burial and his resurrection that reminds us that there were other human beings that were attacked to attached to Jesus. And I want to remind you that there is a human element because Christ himself, even though he was fully God, he was still fully man. That means he felt everything that happened to him when they pierced him. He, he hurt. He didn't shift over into his God person. But when they pierced him, it hurt when they whipped him. He felt the pain of the whipping. He he felt the, the thorns being pressed into his skull. He felt every moment of that, but not only the physical pain. We want to talk about the emotional turmoil of being forsaken, of, of, of being left alone, of being talked about, of being abandoned. And we're going to talk about the human elements of the cross. We're going to talk about the humanity of the cross. And we're going to talk about it in four little pericopes that we find here in Scripture, starting in Matthew 26. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. Then we're going to skip down to Matthew 39. We will also look at, at Mark. Mark, we're going to look at Mark 14 and 72. Then we're going to look. I'm sorry for jumping around with you. We're going to look at Romans 8 and 11. And finally, our final scripture on this morning, we'll look at Acts 2 and 14. Let me go back with that to you in reverse. Our final scripture is Acts 2 and 14. Before that is Romans 8 and 11. We'll look at Mark 14, 72. And we'll be looking at Matthew, where we'll begin. Matthew 12 and Matthew 26, 12 and 13. And then we will skip down to verse 39. And the word of the Lord reads there in Matthew chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. The word says, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Matthew 26, 39 reads, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mark 14, 72 reads, and immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Romans 8 and 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In our final scripture, Acts 2 and 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, Lord, open our hearts, minds and spirits, Lord, that we might be receptive to what you say to us in these few destiny moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm talking about the humanity of the cross. And I want to talk to you about it as it relates to the woman who washed Jesus feet with her hair and with her tears. And from that, I want to talk about humility. We want to talk about the humanity of the cross as it relates to humility. Not only that, then when we talk about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we want to talk about the humanity of the cross as it relates to obedience. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane there when he's saying, Lord, if it be thy will, let it pass from me. He is struggling with being obedient to his mission. And so do we all struggle a bit with obedience. I'll raise my hand. You don't have to raise your hands. But I struggle with being obedient to what God tells me because sometimes he says things that are hard. Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer them the other. If someone offers you, ask for your coat, give them your cloak also. He asks for some hard things. So you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. But sometimes when Jesus asks me to do some things. My humanity bucks up, my flesh bucks up, and I struggle with obedience. And we see Jesus doing the same here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not only that, but we talked about humility and we talked about obedience. But we're also going to talk about repentance. Because Peter was all big and bold saying, Lord, I will never forsake you. Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me thrice. And here we find Peter and the resulting position as to what Christ had told him. And finally, not only we talk about humility, obedience and repentance, but finally we want to talk about grace because the same spirit that lifted Jesus up abides in us. And if that same spirit lifts us up, he can raise us up from wherever our lowest point is. And someone might be there right now. You're at your lowest point, but I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for you and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Let's start here with the woman. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago, but we talked about her relative to what she was doing. We're not talking about what she did for Jesus. We talked about her relative to her own, what she was trying to do as she washed Jesus' feet. What did we say to her? We said it was very symbolic. It was symbolic as it relates to what she did in that moment. If If you look there in In 12 and 13, Matthew 26, 12 and 13, if you look at the text there, it says in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. If you have that pulled up, Roman, if you have Matthew 26 and 12, it says in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. She was preparing God. For what was about to happen to him. So now I told you what it meant to her. I told you it was symbolic because in touching Jesus, she grabbed hold of him. 
She laid hold of him because in that moment she understood that all that I need is in Jesus. Everything, the answer to my problem, I will find in him. And sometimes it takes us a while to get there. Let's be real. Sometimes it takes us a while to get there because sometimes you think you can figure it out for yourself. You don't have to say amen. But sometimes you think you can figure out the problem for yourself. I don't need God for this. I got this handled. I got this covered. I I have everything I need to handle this problem, to handle this situation. God, I don't need you right now. Every once in a while we do that, even if we don't verbalize it. We do it more with our actions than we do with our words. We simply leave God out of our decision making process. We decide we're going to do it on our own. James said, some of you are getting a little bit too bold. You're saying, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. He said, you ought to say, if God will or if God allows me, I'll do these things. But many times we leave him out, whether we speak it or not. We just decide I'm old enough and I'm going to do it on my own. And if we'll be honest, many of us didn't get any in more trouble than we did when we were in the world because we simply didn't have the money for it. If we had more money, we would have gotten in more trouble. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you had more money, you would have gotten in worse trouble than you did. And some of it, let me flip it around. Some of you, you came to God because you ran out of money. (laughs) Can we talk this morning? Can we talk? We know that happened to the prodigal son. He saw himself in the pig pen. Why? He was in the pig pen because he ran out of money. Had he not run out of money, it may have taken him a longer amount of time to come to himself. Sometimes maybe God lets you run out of money so you'll come to yourself. Because you'll keep doing what you're doing. You'll keep following that wrong path and leaving him out until he allows you to run out of resources. I'm just going to say it for you. Thank God you ran out of money. Some of you might not be here right now if you didn't run out. But praise God. I'm speaking for myself. Thank God I ran out of money. So I didn't get in more trouble than I could have been in because we leave him out. We leave him out. So when the woman is grabbing hold of Jesus feet, that is an acknowledgement that I have tried everything else. And the last resort is to try Jesus. Everything else that I've tried to uh, and attempted to do on my own has failed. So I'm laying hold of Jesus feet because I'm grasping him as the answer and the solution to my problem. That was the symbolic nature of what she was doing for herself. The second thing that she did is that she washed the dirt away from his feet. And in doing so, she was symbolically washing away her sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why we celebrate today, because it's the sacrifice, the cleansing power of God's blood that he shed for us on Calvary that allows us to be clean. You're not clean by yourself. You're dirty. You're filthy. And everything that you've ever done wrong is still attached to you. It's still on you. Except that we go by the blood. By the blood, we're cleansed. We're healed. And we're made whole only by his blood. The woman grabbed it, was washing away her own sins with her tears and with her hair. And the final symbol is that she anointed his feet with the expensive oil. She anointed it with the oil. And that's where she found judgment. She was being judged by the men in the area because they were saying, Jesus, if you're truly the Savior, if you're truly God, you'll know who's touching your feet. 
Notice, you're going to be judged if you serve. People are always going to assume you have the wrong motivation when you choose to serve God. Notice when you serve the devil and do anything else, nobody judges you. Oh, you're being successful. You go out and do other things in the world, they're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's successful. He's busy. He's, all, he's always busy. She's always busy. She's always working. She's always making moves. They will praise you for making moves in the world, but as soon as you do something for God, somebody's going to judge you. Why are they letting her work in the church? They don't know where she been. They don't know what she used to do. They don't know what she's still doing. <laughs> Let's be real. You know, you know me. I, I, I'm real with this thing. But they were judging her even in the moment where she had decided that I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get down on my knees and grasp him like a rope that is protecting me from eternal damnation. I'm grabbing hold to him as the final solution to all of my problems. I'm wiping the dirt from his feet as I'm wiping away my own sins. And finally, she anointed him with the expensive oil where even the disciples judged her. The disciples said this expensive oil, this ointment that you're putting on his feet could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus responds to them. He says, the poor you will have with you always. He said, but what you don't know, and this is where we get to our text in verse 12. What you don't understand is she is anointing me for my death, for my burial, for my resurrection. She did it for her own purposes because when she was anointing, I said she's anointing to the point where there's a sheen on his feet, where it's shining, where she begins to even see her own reflection. And I'm telling you, you have not seen yourself until you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, until you see yourself in him. You've never caught a vision of who you are. You've never, you'll never achieve what God desires you to be until you see yourself in him. You need to see yourself because apart from him, you don't look like much. I heard, I heard someone put it this way. You're special because you're consecrated. You're special because you're consecrated. Some of you are wondering how, how, how the light that God put in you can shine it's because you see it in moments of consecration. Notice how God kept telling Israel, you're, 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 a, you're a peculiar people. You're, you're set aside. I have chosen you. That means also that we set aside ourselves. Submit your bodies unto God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. You have to submit when you consecrate, when you set aside yourself for God. That's when that special light that's on the inside of you begins to shine. Because until you set yourself apart, until you consecrate yourself, you're just a part of the crowd. You're not a part of the holy nation. You're not a part of the peculiar people. You set yourself apart by saying, I'm dedicating my life, my time and my service to him. I'm giving my life fully over to him. And that's what that woman was doing. That's what she was doing. She was sacrificing. She was consecrating. But she was preparing Jesus for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Her humility is an example of humanity that led us to the cross. But it was not just her. If you go down to Matthew 26 and 33, further down, 39, further down in the text, 
Matthew 26 and 39, we find Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. We talked about humility, but now let's talk about obedience. He says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible. Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I've read this so many times, but God told me when he wanted me to share it this morning, he said, you haven't been reading it right. He said, you're reading it like a preacher. You're reading it as a prepared remark. You have to understand Jesus didn't write this down and decide to say it in the Garden of Gethsemane. It came from his heart. It came from the agony of knowing that one of the men he had chosen was betraying him. It came from the agony of asking the disciples, can you pray with me for one hour? But then when he went apart to cry out of his soul and came back, all the disciples were asleep. Came from the knowledge of knowing that all the men who had walked with him were about to betray him, were about to leave him, were about to disappear. They wouldn't stand up and even say that I knew him, that I was with him, that he's my savior, he's my Messiah. Came from the agony of knowing the physical pain that he was about to experience there on the cross. The thorns being pressed into his head, the stripes being laid upon his back. The nails being driven in his hands and his feet. Being pierced in the side with a spear. He knew the agony that he was about to face and that caught up with him in the garden of Gethsemane as he struggled with being obedient to what God told him to do. And if that wasn't enough, he had to understand and knew that his father himself, God the father, was about to turn his back on him. He knew that God had to turn his back on him. That he couldn't send the 12 legions of angels to rescue him. Because no longer was he just his son, but he was the lamb of God that was being slain for the sins of the world. He was the propitiation for our sins. He was the sacrifice that had to be offered so that the world could be saved. And the weight of the whole world's sin laid upon his shoulders. That was the agony that Jesus felt in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. So no, he didn't say it like prepared remarks. He said, Lord, if it be your will, can you let this cup pass from me? Lord, if there's another way. Lord, if there's any other possibility, if there's any other avenue. Can you set aside my suffering? Can you set aside my anguish? Can the world be saved in another manner, in another way? Lord, please. I'm your son. Can you set aside this suffering so that I can be saved the world? And in that moment, I feel it's the most human moment that we find of our Savior. Of all that you find in the Bible. I find there to be no more human moment than when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggling with being obedient to God. But even in that human moment, when he cried out, Lord, is there another way? 
He said, Lord, but not my will. Thy will be done. So I'm telling that to somebody because I want you to understand that you can struggle with being obedient to God. You can question God. God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of you struggling with your humanity because the devil will tell you you can't pray. You can't ask anything of God. You can't expect anything of God because you're struggling with obedience. So when you're struggling with obedience, I want you to remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying out to his father, having the same struggle, having the same pain, but coming to the right conclusion. Lord, but not my will. Thy will be done. Talking about the humanity of the cross. We talked about the humility of the woman washing Jesus. We talked about the obedience and Jesus himself struggling with being obedient to God and asking if there be another way, can you let this cut pass? The next thing I want to talk to you about is repentance. And here we find Peter in Mark 14 and 72. Peter, obviously the most renowned of the disciples. It says in Mark 14, 72, to set that up, you have to understand what Peter had said earlier. Peter had said, Lord, if every man abandon you, Lord, I'll still be with you. If every man turns his back on you, you can count on me. And we find Peter in Mark 14, 72, and immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down. And he wept. Another version says he cried bitterly. He wept bitterly in that moment. He was ashamed in that moment. In that moment, he was repentant for falling back on what he had promised his Lord and Savior. In that moment, he regretted his actions. And as many of us have felt in moments of failure to God. He felt worthless. He felt abandoned. He felt he felt he had abandoned Christ. He felt worthless. And you don't have to raise your hand, but all of us have abandoned our assignment for God. We've had our moments where we've abandoned him. Where we didn't follow his directions, where we were disobedient. where We were flagrant in our disobedience. And some of us even continued in our disobedience. But yet, even in that moment. John 1 and 9 keeps coming true. If you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The beauty of that is not only will they say judge you as not guilty. He's saying I'll cleanse all unrighteousness. I will purge your record. That's that's the beautiful thing of of Christ and his sacrifice. Not only is he saying, are you a judge is not guilty? Not only that, I'm going to cleanse your record as if you were never even charged. It's not like it's it's as if you were never charged. Not not only are you not guilty, but but they, they can't treat you like you were ever convicted, like you were ever charged because I have wiped your slate clean. You messed up. 
and you're still not guilty. You did it, but I'm still cleansing your record. But he's saying the guilt, and this is what gets me in moments of disobedience, the guilt had to go somewhere. The guilt remained, but it just didn't remain on you. There is still guilt, but he said, I bore all that guilt on the cross. I took all of your errors and laid it upon my shoulders on the cross. Everything that you've done wrong and everything that you will do wrong. Christ said, I bore the penalty for your sin on the cross. I laid the guilt upon me. It's as if you're in court. And maybe you had an honest moment and you were about to confess. And at the moment you're about to confess, the double doors open up behind you. A man walks in and says, he's not guilty. Lay all the penalty on me. Whatever you've charged him with, charge me with it. Whatever you were going to do to him, do it to me. That's what Jesus did for every one of us. So even though Peter felt like a failure in that moment, Peter said, I I was talking big. Many of us have done it. It's talking big. I was talking in my flesh. And I said I would never abandon him. That cock crowing. And I don't know what the cock crowing in your life was. There was a moment where you felt your guilt laid upon you. You felt repentant in your heart where you said not only did you feel guilty for what you've done, but you said, I can't go back this way. I cannot go back this way. And for somebody who's there right now, it's okay. God can give you the strength and the power to abandon that place of sin and to turn your life around. The humanity of the cross is not only humility and obedience. But it's also repentance that Christ laid himself for us. He offered himself for us that we might be forgiven for all of our sin. Isn't that beautiful? Why don't you give God a hand right there? I'm about finished, but I want to give you one more thing. The humility, the obedience, the repentance, and finally, the grace of the cross. We find grace at the cross. Praise God. For God's mercy and his grace. We found Peter here in Mark 14 and 72. But then it led me to Romans 8 and 11, which says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Jesus' death, his defeat of death and the grave placed in each of us a comeback. There is a comeback in you. Somebody say that there is a comeback in me. There is a comeback in you. There, in a sense, Jesus placed a resurrection in you. How did he place a resurrection? He placed it in you in that though you were dead in sin, yet can you live again and experience eternal life. With him because Christ's spirit, which lives in me, 
I want to finish because I feel like I, I, I sometimes I, I feel bad for the characters in the Bible because some of them, we use them as examples and we talk bad about them and we forget that the, they're human beings, too. Sometimes we, we act like that they were deities and that we should treat them on a different level. We shouldn't give them the same amount of deference that we give to ourselves. But we need to understand Peter was a, a human being. And yes, he messed up when he there when we found him in Mark 14 and 72. But then you find Peter again in Acts 2 and 14. After he's experienced the upper room. And then when they are yet there saying these men must be drunk. These men are crazy. They're speaking in foreign languages. They're speaking in gibberish. Then that same Peter, somebody say the same Peter. The same Peter that we found on his knees crying and weeping bitterly as he recognized as the cock crew that he had betrayed his Lord and Savior. Something happened between that Peter that we find in Mark 14 and 72 and the Peter we find in Acts 2 and 14. Because when they accused them of being drunk, Peter stood up and preached the first Holy Ghost message. He preached the first Holy Ghost message. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more on, on Pentecost, but, but he preached the first Holy Ghost field message. He got up and said, no, we're not drunk, as you suppose. He said, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel, that in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will testify. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and upon my people will I pour out of my spirit. What I'm saying is that God, through Christ, gave Peter grace. That his last moment was not there, finding out that he had disappointed God. But he found another moment. There, there at Pentecost, thereafter his Pentecost experience. And he preached and let them know and led others to Christ. Telling them that we have experienced God's Holy Spirit. That Jesus that you crucified, he's yet alive and he can yet save you. God gave him grace, and I, I want somebody to understand that you can still walk in that grace this morning. You are walking, in fact, if you woke up this morning, you're walking in God's mercy. And you're walking in his grace. Because somebody asked me, they said, why, why, why is it that we experience so much trouble in this world? I, tell, I told them, we create the trouble. But if we're still here, God has extended us grace. And even though I might not have, have been walking in his intentional and purposeful will, God has yet allowed me to live and that means I yet have purpose in him. I yet find life in him. I yet have a reason to get up. I have a reason to wake up. I have a reason to give him glory. I have a reason to give God praise. The devil cannot use my past as a way to disqualify me. Devil, you can't disqualify me. Those who are watching online, hashtag that. Devil, you can't disqualify me. Doesn't matter what I've done in my past, you can't disqualify me because my purpose, somebody say purpose. I still have purpose. Somebody say I still have purpose. 
I woke up so I still have purpose. I woke up so God still has a plan for me. I woke up so there must have been mercy laying at my door this morning because his mercies are new every morning. And even when I'm not faithful to him, God is yet faithful to me. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his mercy. I thank God for looking out for me when I wasn't looking out for myself. I thank him for loving me when I didn't know how to love. And because I didn't know how to love, I didn't know how to love myself. I thank God for his mercy. He let me live long enough to learn how to love. I want you to get that. Everybody said and I'm finished. He let me live long enough to know how to love. And let me say this for you and let me say this for me. For anybody I abused in my past before I got right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I was so selfish that it caused you harm. That I hurt your feelings. That I derailed you. But I want you to understand something. It's because it's not only that I didn't know how to love you. I didn't know how to love myself. Because I didn't know what love was. If I don't know what love is, I can't love myself. And if I can't love myself, how can I love you? I don't know how to love you because I don't know how to love myself. So that same mercy that God extended to you, this year God put it in my spirit. He said, connect, grow, and give. He said that in my spirit because we need to connect people to the body of Christ. We need to grow ourselves. But after we connect and after we grow, we got to give that to somebody else. Let them know it's okay. Somebody who you are connected to right now is hurting you and God is letting them hurt you on a purpose. The reason he's letting them hurt you is because you're intelligent enough to know that you used to hurt people. And you know why you used to hurt people. Because you didn't love yourself. And that's why they're hurting others. He's connecting you to them so you can help them love themselves. Stop worrying about how they're treating you. Teach them to love themselves. Teach them to love God. Tell them the order of things. God said, how can you love me and you love not your neighbor? And then he said, you got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we stop trying to get back at people, stop trying to read people, stop trying to call people out. And if we as Christians start teaching them how to love God by first loving themselves, that's how we make the world better. Stop trying to win political arguments. You're not going to win. Stop calling people names because they're wrong. That's not going to heal them. That's not going to change the world. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That you have love one for another. It's not good enough that you love other people. 
But as disciples, we have a commission. We have to teach other people to love God and to love themselves. There are a lot of people hurting right now. You think this pandemic has caused a physical problem in this world? Oh, it has created an enormous mental health crisis in this world. There are so many people who are hurting emotionally. They were doing better before the pandemic, but then everybody was separated and they were by themselves. And some people, the worst person they can be with alone is themselves. I want you to get that. The worst person that some people can be with alone is themselves. Because the person who is the most damaging and the most harmful and the biggest threat to their life, to their to their emotional and spiritual well-being is not other people. But it's themselves. I want you to think of people. There's a lot of legions walking around here. They might not have demons that rip off chains. But they have a flesh that keeps telling them, you're not worth it. You're not valuable. You ought to just hurt yourself. You ought to just kill yourself. You walk by people like that every day. Every day. Every day you encounter people, you're walking by somebody who has a ticking time bomb on the inside of themselves. That's why they need your light. They need your light. Point at somebody in here and say they need your light. Pointing to you who are watching us virtually, they need your light. Somebody needs your light. That's why he said, let your light so shine before me. The men might See your works, but glorify your father, which are in heaven. They need your light. And I want you to walk out of here. I want you, I don't want you walking out of here talking about what you heard or what you saw. I want you to walk out of here with your light shining brighter. That's what God needs for you. Your light shining brighter. You went to church. Yes, that's beautiful. God needs your light to shine. Because you were here for a few moments. But you're going to be out there Monday through Saturday, all through the week. And God needs you to let your light shine. Another exchange Jesus had with Peter. He had Peter, depending on which gospel you read, subsequent to him being arisen. Subsequent to the encounter where, you know, Jesus told Peter to throw the fish, the nets out to catch fish, even though Peter had caught none all night. But then he catches so many, the boat begins to sink. Subsequent to that, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus said, and Peter said, Jesus, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Finally, he said, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. What he was saying is, Peter, it's not about you. It's about the people you reach. And I came to tell somebody today, God wants you to get your life right. You need to get your life right with him. We're going to say the sinner's prayer in just a few moments. But it's not just about you. It's about the people you reach. This week, I want you to love yourself. 
But don't focus on yourself. Focus on the people you reach. Because somebody, I keep telling you until you get it, somebody is waiting on your light. Somebody needs your light. And they're waiting your, your light to shine so that they can get right. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that comes to challenge us, to instruct us, to remind us of the humanity that led to the cross. It's not just the miracle of Christ being raised from the dead, but Lord, it's the humility of the woman who washed his feet, that anointed and prepared him for his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, it's the obedience that Jesus himself struggled with. As he said, Lord, may this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. Lord, it's the repentance of Peter, Lord, as the cock crew, and he recognized that he had denied his Savior. He was repentant in that moment, and, was, and, our, and we are reminded that, Lord, if we confess our sins, you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But not only that, Lord, it's the grace that you have poured it to Peter and to all of us, those mercies that are new every morning, that our final moment won't be in agony and defeat. But we can have a Peter moment after Pentecost. Preaching and declaring your word and sharing your light with other people. And Lord, we thank you for that grace and the mercy that you've given us. That gave us time to love ourselves and taught us to love you better and to love our neighbors. And Lord, we say thank you. There may be someone today who recognizes that I'm not saved. I'm not in rightful relationship with Jesus Christ. I want everybody out there, those who are watching us virtually, those who are in this sanctuary, just lift up your hands and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord, for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried. And that you were raised again. And Lord, I accept you today as my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my Savior and my Lord. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. If you said that prayer by faith, you said it with commitment in your heart, then you are saved. You are saved. Thank God that I'm saved. Come on, put those hands together again and give God some praise. Hallelujah. For those of you who are joining us virtually, if you want to become a virtual part of our ministry, you can join us by texting Bright Temple all together to 66866. Again, type or text Bright Temple to 66866 and you can become a virtual part of our ministry even on today. And we praise God for you joining us and we pray that you will be blessed until I shall see you again. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.